0: Here's a question for you. Can the two of us get all the way through a conversation about weeds on an organic farm and somehow avoid using the expression, the bane of our existence? Welcome to Longleaf Breeze. Beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles. Approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it. And we don't make allness statements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden.
1: Hi, and welcome to our podcast of June 24, 2010. Yeah, you're right. Let's talk about weeds. They are indeed the bane of our existence right now. Oh,
0: now we, 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 we got five seconds into it and we use the expression. Yeah. Okay. Well, well that answers that question.
1: What's happening is... We've got great drip irrigation going out there right now in Veg Hill, sunshine, the heart of the growing season, and along with all the great veg, the weeds are growing. And so, and that's every, you know, we're not unique at all in that respect, but we have not decided exactly how we want to deal with them.
0: Well, let me play devil's advocate to get us started. Weeds are part of God's plan why are you so opposed to weeds? Why don't you just relax and accept the fact that if weeds need to be growing on soil, it's because they bring something positive that the soil needs?
1: Well, one answer to that, even if I weren't trying to grow anything, is that they're opportunistic weeds that wouldn't be there had we not intervened in God's plan to have trees out there. We've cut down a bunch of trees, well, with the help of the loggers who preceded us, and now the type of vegetation that's growing there is not really what was originally meant to be there. Um, however, as uh, a an agricultural person, as, as uh, a human who's attempting to grow food on that, and yes, that's not necessarily, you know, we could, we could debate that issue all along as to whether or not we should be attempting to grow food as opposed to foraging, but, uh, <laughs> we're, but being we're, hunter-gatherers. We're going to stop there. We're not going to go on that right. question. Since we are believers in agriculture at this point, um, the argument would be that the weeds are choking out tender vegetation. For example, when I planted potatoes down there and later corn, um there were some tiny little plants that I didn't even know were there, I mean, of the, of both of the, you know, the corn and the potatoes, that until I pulled up weeds, they were getting choked out.
0: I remember that. It was like a day of discovery when you started pulling those weeds. You came back saying, there are potatoes down there. They're yeah, growing. Yeah. We just didn't know it because they were completely covered over with weeds. Right. Well, you already know, and our audience is probably in the process of figuring out, I was playing devil's advocate but expressing a viewpoint that is not my own. I think you and I have set out to alter the balance in our human role as farmers. And once you do that, you... Um, start playing god and you decide this plant i want here and this plant i don't and a weed is a plant i don't want here that's correct Mm -hmm. and that's not a value judgment i'm not saying that's a bad plant i'm just saying it can't grow there because we need something else to grow there that's right so how do we deal with them that's really the the thing i wanted us to cover is to talk about the difference between you and me
1: well you don't like the fact that I pull up a lot of weeds by hand because but um, as my mother reminds me that my father used to say you need to pull them up by the roots make sure you get the roots um, when you're weeding and so I've been trying to do that we have a lot of I call it Johnson grass but it might be crabgrass I, I, it's it's this it's not remnant of the ryegrass the ryegrass is pretty much as our friends have told us once the hot weather hit it's it's a goner now some of this we are grateful, and for this we are grateful it's probably the one good byproduct of the really hot weather but um, this weed type grass a broadleaf grass um, not only puts down some pretty deep roots it sends out all these runners and so it can very quickly take over a bed um, and I've even pulled them out of the aisles, uh, some to keep them from reaching out into a bed. So, yes, my philosophy has been to pull them up by hand. And I also found that if you just pull them up by hand and just they they get detached, but you just put them back in the bed, those little buggers will figure out a way to reattach. So I try to pull them up and displace them, put them somewhere else, preferably root side up so that it can't just simply reattach to the soil.
0: So your approach is you must pull those weeds up, roots and all, get the roots turned upside down so that they dry out and die.
1: Yes, that is my philosophy.
0: And I do not um, disagree with that school of thought. I offer another approach that I believe may be more manageable for you and me both, namely that of using the weeding hoe. Um, I have marveled at your energy and your task commitment that allows you to stay out on Veg Hill for five or six hours at the time on your hands and knees or on your butt pulling weeds by hand and i applaud that in you you are a wonderful industrious hardworking person but i can come along with the weeding hoe and cover about 12 times as much real estate in the same time that it takes you to pull those weeds out by hand which means i have time then to come back two days later or three days later and catch the ones that I missed. And that's, in fact, what I've done on several of the rows, as you know. You can, with the weeding hoe, it's designed so you're using a motion almost like you're sweeping.
1: Right. It's not a bad So implement. I can
0: stand erect and stroll down a row. So you'll walk on the aisle with my weeding hoe in the row and cover a row pretty quickly particularly if I can catch the weeds when they're very young. And yes, a few of them I miss, a few others I pull up, and they, like you say, the little boogers reattach themselves, and they're growing there the next day. But two days later, I'm going to be back with the hoe, and I'll catch them then. And it's just a, I find it to be a very pleasant rhythm, because in the process of walking down that row, I'm also looking to see you know, what fruit's setting and how the blossoms are doing and how the drip irrigation seems to be working and so forth. There's a lot that I'm able to check on while I'm hitting right. those weeds.
1: Well, and I, I'm about to come around to a, a third alternative, to which is a combination that actually builds on what you're doing, and that is... Having you do that with the weeding hoe, or me, but, you know, maybe, and then coming back and laying some sort of mulch on top of what you've weeded so that we don't get the reemergence of the weeds. Um, we've talked about cardboard. We've saved up quite a bit of cardboard, and um, we've got some hay, and I had mulched some of the beds with hay earlier, but it most in most cases, it wasn't deep enough, and the weeds came up through that, and that made it almost impossible to use a weeding hoe. Yes, when you had that,
0: the hay got in the way of the weeding hoe. I don't know that's going to be the result with our long leaf breeze mulch.
1: And we can t- we'll talk about that mulch in just a few minutes. Yes, now that we have a finer type of mulch, I'm for using those in the beds and maybe some hay in the aisles to keep those weeds down. Yeah, um, that and, makes sense. And uh, w- on long stretches where you don't mind covering something up, maybe even put a base of cardboard and then the hay on top. Um, so, and uh, I've got a flower bed out back that the centipede has taken over just because partly because the seed got into the bed when, we, when you were now, seeding. I can address that with mm-hmm. the weeding okay. hoe. Okay, and then I think I, I will that? put some cardboard on top of that so it won't come back.
0: Okay, or just hit it with the weeding hoe yeah. every three or four days. Yeah, well, you know, we'll, we'll figure it, that out. The, the nice thing about the weeding hoe is you can cover so much real estate so fast. Yeah. So, if you just tell me, hey, Next time you're out, give that West Bed a hit with the weeding hoe. That's yeah. It won't take me long at all. But
1: I think that, th- that I am coming around to your point of view, which is weeding hoe, something that doesn't take quite as much effort, and then followed by weed suppression to the extent that I can do it. Um, so anyway, we'll see what happens. I know around some of the really tender little seedlings like corn, corn has very shallow roots, so I probably will just have to pull those weeds up by hand
0: and I'm very nervous weeding corn because as you know the the weeds often look an awful lot like baby corn does
1: right and and as i told you the other day i have learned to tell the difference because of just working with it for a year and i'm but, afraid
0: i haven't and in fact we know i haven't because you noticed i had uh, yeah you
1: dug up a corn the other day Yeah, <laughs> i killed off one of your
0: little corn plants but
1: that's okay we've got others yeah so, so
0: i'll be careful using the weeding hoe a- around the corn at least when the corn is when very, it's early yes very after a while small. you can tell so right um, Uh, Anything else we need to talk about weeds?
1: Well, not right now, but I would love to talk about the firewood that we split the other day. Yes, I think as we
0: recorded last week, we had everything set up and we knew that that was going to be our next task. Mm -hmm. And uh, we started on it the afternoon after we recorded the podcast and were able to fill three pallets that day and fill the other two pallets the next day. So all the firewood pallets are filled now, and there's. Four. I told you that I was absolutely confident we were going to have some extra wood left, and I was absolutely wrong. Um, we ended up with just enough firewood to fill those five pallets and no more, so...
1: Which was kind of a nice place to be, so we didn't yeah. have a lot of remnants hanging So now own.
0: we have pallet number 12, as well as 1 through 5, uh, up on the lodge site, collect, sitting out in the sunshine and out in the rain. They do get rain up there, but they get lots of sun. They're going to be drying out all summer uh, and into the spring, in fact. And we will pull them in undercover sometime in May or June of next year to be ready for the season of 2011 and 12. We already have our six pallets undercover here in the pole barn that are designed to get us through the winter of 2010 and 11.
1: Well, good. So we're planning for the future. You can tell we, we won't be caught unawares and unprepared. So One
0: of our um, continuing um, narratives here at Longleaf Breeze is we do not want to be cold. Does it sounds strange for people in Central Alabama to worry about being cold? And honestly, we don't worry about it, but we do focus on making sure it's not a problem. Right. Because nobody wants to be cold.
1: Well, talking about the firewood, one byproduct of our splitting was that there was quite a bit of mulch or or a multiple material like bark that came off of old trees and just you know little chips of wood, and so. uh, we had some fun with that. We used our new chipper mulcher the other day.
0: Nice segue into dealing with the chipper. Uh, absolutely, we um, scooped up all of that bark and chips and so forth from the splitting process, put it in the bucket, and took it on over to where we already had some brush. Yeah, limbs up.
1: that from where you cleared Veg Hill the other and day, and that
0: was our inaugural uh, fodder for the new chipper. And it was fun to use.-hmm.
1: It's a Wallenstein BX42. is that what it?:
0: was? That's the uh, model designation. It's designed to take its power from the tractor on the PTO, the power takeoff. And in contrast to the kind of mulcher or chipper you could buy at, say, Lowe's or Home Depot, this is fairly robust. Um, it will chew through something as large as four inches in diameter. But we have learned already it has its limits. I got in trouble twice on two different occasions. Um, I guess neither one, yeah, you were not there either time. No. The first time I got in trouble, it was because I was using stock that was too rotten. And what happened when I did that is it had a lot of moisture in it because it was rotting. And when I pushed it through the chipper, the chipper slowly clogged itself up so that I realized I'm feeding stuff in, but nothing's coming out. That's not good. So I limped back up to the barn, took the... um discharge chute off and sure enough there was this mass clogged up inside the chipper discharge mm. um, chute and I just pulled it out. Fortunately it had not hardened up enough so that I couldn't just pull it out with my hands. So I just had to reach down there and pull out one handful at a time. It took about fifteen, twenty minutes mm. to get it all out. It's a pain. But once it was out, no problem, no harm done. Then I took it down yesterday while, no, day before yesterday. Day before yesterday, while you were in Birmingham, took it across the creek and started working on another pile. On that one, I got overly enthusiastic and pushed too big a piece in too fast. It wedged into the feed-in chute where the the joint between the feed-in chute and the big spinning disc and sheared the pin on the power line takeoff which means that the little bolt that's designed to break away I mean you want it to break away before you send that motion into your tractor and wreck your transmission so you know it's one of those things where if it has to happen you're glad it happens but it um, yeah. sheared the pen, and so uh, I now have a new pen to substitute. And we should be back underway later today.
1: Good, but, uh, good. Because that mulch, I do want to get back un- back underway. Because that right. mulch Let's is great. Let's talk about how we're using. Yeah, it. the mulch that um, we have thus far has a has a combination of some wood, small wood chips, and uh, leaves. Because we had some dried out limbs and that a had few some twigs. and a few twigs in. Uh, but what's nice about it is it's it's so much more workable around small plants than that hay was. So the way we've used it thus far is I've put a little bit on some of the back beds around corn, which was uh, the corn that's just now coming up, and it seems to be working fine.
0: And on your direction, I used it around the bullnose bell peppers, and the nice thing about that mulch is you can pile it on as thick as you want to pile it. You know, it's just yeah. limited by the supply of mulch, and right now we've got uh, about a yard and a half which is a pretty good bit of mulch Yeah,
1: but i can use more if i'm going to mulch some of those if we're going to try to use it to combat weeds so um.
0: and fortunately we have virtually unlimited biomass here at longleaf breeze when you have 88 acres and you're only farming intensely on a third of it a third an acre um we got plenty of biomass so we can yeah. just keep working on it and keep producing mulch as long as we need to oh
1: well, that's good i can find i can find uses for it um well, would you like to talk about your father's day present? Oh, and I
0: should oh. also say that um the mulch we're producing with the chipper is also hard at work in the composting toilet. It's working out okay. well there Good. as well. So Good. um it fortunately what we had hoped would be happening ha- is happening. We're producing our own mulch and it is uh serving its intended function. So Good. Uh, Father's Day present was a solar-powered owl scarecrow. <laughs> from Joe <laughs> and Michelle, cert- right? There's a post Joe, Michelle about it on Longleaf <laughs> Breeze. Yeah, from uh, Joe and Michelle and Smith out in Los Angeles. And uh, this is perched up on a T-post uh, using the ubiquitous material at Longleaf Breeze, three-quarter-inch PVC pipe. And... Um, <laughs> Every now and then, Hortense turns her head in a rather realistic-looking way, and our hope is it deters the birds from eating the blueberries. Right.
1: Yeah, you put it out by the blueberries. I don't want to deter birds from our veg garden, because, and and they may be doing some damage, but the idea of birds come in and eat all kinds of caterpillars and worms that are, you know, like... I hope they're eating cutworms because I know I have cutworms out there. And uh, so you kind of, I'm actually trying to attract birds to some of those areas.
0: Absolutely. And I I think the same thing will hold with the blueberries. I enjoy um, playing around with Hortense, but I'm not basing our horticultural productivity on her.
1: But it would be, we do want to make sure that the birds don't eat our berries. So I think maybe Hort- Hortense can serve a purpose. Yeah. Um, I know we're about out of time, but uh, would you like to give a brief report about what you're seeing um, uh, in our sun hemp?
0: The sun hemp is doing well. It continues to thrive mm-hmm. right along the drip tape. We're up to around six to eight inches tall now, which is great. Um, everything's looking good.
1: Um, We'll give you another update next week and maybe talk a little bit about the veggies that are actually ripening up and growing out on Veg Hill. That
0: sounds great.
1: But in the meantime, have a wonderful week, and uh, we hope to catch up with you soon.
0: You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Or you can send us honest to goodness mail at P.O. Box 780446, Talesea, Alabama 36078. To browse our archive, to learn more about the farm and about Lee and Amanda, and to talk with other listeners, visit us at longleaffreeze.com. Thanks
1: for listening. See you next week.